Elgin and Vera Staples reunited after a moment where this awareness came in their lives. The reality is, is that they were separated by service, but united by a miracle. Among the sailors of a certain battle that we'll look at here, survived a 19-year-old signalman, third-class Elgin Staples. Staples nearly died twice during the month's long campaign. In his telling, he too, like so many of his comrades, would have met his his fate of the waters, the Guadalcanal, had it not been for a woman who was more than 8,000 miles away at the time of the battle. As the story goes, in the early morning hours of August 9th, 1942, Staples felt the steel deck of the USS Astoria rumble beneath his feet. A Japanese shell had struck the turret of the cruiser's 8-inch deck gun. The explosion sent Staples flying through the air and into the moonlit sea. Dazed and riddled with shrapnel, both our Staples bobbed in the warm water, buoyed by his M1926 inflatable life belt, something he was able in the moment of panic to quickly grab. He floated for more than four hours until he was picked up by the crew of the USS Bagley. Then he returned to the Astoria and joined his shipmates in trying to save the burning ship, but the damage was too extensive. He says he feared the inevitable and knew it probably was going to happen, but here he finds himself back in the waters, still holding on to that life belt. Staples had the foresight not to take off the inflatable belt that had already saved his life once. He remained afloat while around him more than 200 sailors drowned. The following day, Staples was picked up by the USS President Jackson and taken to New Caledonia. Where There, he was granted medical leave and, and boarded a ship bound for the States. Not to be caught without his lucky belt, he was clinging to it the whole trip home, which coincidentally had been made in his hometown of Akron, Ohio. He brought it with him when he got home. Once safely back home in Akron, Staples recounted his harrowing story, finally speaking about it to his mother, Vera Mueller Staples. When he mentioned the rubber belt, his mother revealed that while he was gone, she felt a call to do something that was more than just remain home. She felt needed. She felt as if there was something she could do. She wanted to serve in some way, obviously, also to try to better their family, but also... She had read an article about, about a, a, an effort that was being done at the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company to help the war. And so she told that she had taken a job at Firestone Tire and Rubber Company at the plant in Akron, their hometown. Staples grabbed the belt when he found this out. He quickly went and he pointed at the name that was placed there and it said Firestone. Name and the serial number was pressed into the rubber. 
It was to identify every inspector. His mother had taken a job as an inspector. When his mother saw the serial number, she was absolutely stunned. She was caught up by silence for a moment. And she looked finally at her son holding the very thing that had saved his life. Not once, but twice. She said, son, I was an inspector at Firestone. And she said, this is my inspector number. It was my number. Staples later said that wearing the inflatable rubber belt while lost, um, feeling like hope was gone, feeling as if he'd never get home, feeling as if he'd never have a life ahead of him. He said, however, in that feeling he felt, it was like having my mother's arms wrapped around me. I've come this morning to speak to you on the simple topic of there is a miracle in the monotony. It was, it, was, it was monotonous. It was a job for those that were willing to stay focused. It was a job for those who were willing to, to, to remain. It was a job for those who were willing to say, I'll get up every day and do the same thing over and over and over and over I don't need a great adventure on the daily. I don't need something to keep my attention. I don't need something to pull me from here or there. Rather, what I know that I need to do is to get up. And I've got to go one by one and inspect this one and inspect that one. And I've got to give myself fully to the task that's at hand. And I've got to make sure there's no chance I get caught up in allowing me to believe that this is boring. That this is just, it's not worth it. It doesn't, it's not going to pay off. Rather, I've got to know that somewhere there's a child that is falling into the waters right now. Knowing that when I go to the house of the Lord, when I go to the place where I'm going to commit myself in worship. When I go, Lisa, and I pick up the kids over and over and over again, or rather, let me just be real for a moment. When I come again at 5 o'clock on Wednesday and I warm up the ovens and I get things ready, or when I come in on Thursday over and over during even the low season during the holidays, but yet I commit to CR and I commit to every everything I've said will happen, but yet it gets monotonous. There had to be a Monday morning where Miss Staples said, I'm tired. There had to be a Tuesday where she said, maybe I'll take the day off, but thank God, thank God for her son's sake that she said, no, today I'm going to look as I did yesterday and make sure every stitch is where it needs to be. Make sure everything is where it needs to be. And then I'm going to stamp this thing off and let everybody know that this is good. This will carry your children. This will carry somebody else else's young man but also this will carry my own boy eight hours ten hours 15 hours in storm tossed waters but I'm gonna make sure it's going to make it what I've come to tell somebody is that you feel as if it's the same it's the same over and over but there is a miracle in the monotony if you just go one more time and then go one more time again and you just again one more time I'm say, God, I'm calling on you. We have a man in our, in our building today, and I, I, I'm going to do my best. I hope I'm not going to do anything that's wrong. 
but it's monotonous every every school day to check and make sure everyone's safe. But I thank God that last week one man that's in our building right now took it upon himself to say, I know I was sick on Sunday, but I got up and went to work on Monday. And on Monday we could have had a different story in the papers. We could have heard of different things going on. But thank God the monotonous was not monotonous. Thank God getting up and going to the school and watching over our kids, making sure they're safe. And I can't help but believe also we've been praying God's protection. I can't help but maybe angels went ahead and prodded somebody to make sure that our eyes and our hearts were focused on what needed to happen. I thank God. Some of you know who I'm talking about right now. And I wish for a moment we'd give them thanks for their service also. Thank God for those that watch over our young people, watch over our kids. But let me tell you, there's never been a miracle without the monotonous. There's never been a miracle without somebody that keeps on going. There's never been a miracle without somebody who kept on praying. Ruth was lost. Ruth was broken. Ruth had nothing. They walked back out of a terrible situation. And every day she got up and she began to pick up those things. She began to grab hold of things she could grab hold. And it just so happened in the monotony that there was a, a Boaz that stepped out and looked out into a lane and said, Who? Who was gathering those things? Who is that that's there? Thank God she got up that day. Thank God she made her mind up that day. Thank God even though it might have been tough, Brother Jerry, she got up again. Thank God even though she was tired and mourning the loss, she got up again. It probably was easy for them back in the day of Nehemiah to say there's no reason to rebuild this. There's no reason to rebuild the tabernacle. But yet they called in the young and the old and they took it brick by brick. They washed off the ash. There was a sign of old things being struck down but they took what was struck down and they put it back up I know putting brick by brick is monotonous but sometimes you see it pay off in a day when you least expect it because monotony always brings about a miracle remember hearing a story about my grandfather who needed a job Papa Rutledge was, was, a, was a unique man in his own in every way honestly he was unique I'd give anything to walk into the Dakota Street house one more time. Think about this often where, where I'd walk in that plush red carpet, and I don't want to make my mom upset today, but there's nothing they got that deep carpet, you'd get lost in that carpet. Felt like you're at a gymnastics place. I only know that because I visited one time one of those places. I'm not the great gymnast that I look like. Walk on that carpet, and you're bury your feet in it, I'd walk over to that recliner and he had a, a smell of old spice and coffee on him all the time. I don't know what the... Reached out and gave him a hug and he'd have a, at that point, usually a 12 o'clock shadow and he'd take that chin and scratch my face, those bristly whiskers. He was a unique man of faith in every way, but he also was a man of monotony. Did the same things over and over and over again. Used the same fishing poles. Wore the same dress shirts. Drink out of the same coffee cups. Dipped that cornbread deep into that coffee cup. Ate the same donuts. The donuts would sit on that countertop for three days, but they were still good. <clears throat> I know very well about those donuts. One time needed a job, and he went. 
And he said, I'd like to get a job. They said, we're not hiring. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. The next day, they said, we're not hiring. He said, I'm, I'm here for a job. He said, we're not hiring, Mr. Rutledge. He went back and left, and he said, I'll see you tomorrow. Got up the next day, put on his dress shirt and a tie, and walked in and said, I'm here for a job. She said, Mr. Rutledge, I'm telling you, we're not hiring. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. And he got up the next day, and he went to the office, and he stood there, and he said, I'd like to get a job today. And they said, Mr. Rutledge, we're not hiring. He went back the next day and said, I'd like to have a job. I'm looking for a job today. They said, Mr. Rutledge, we're not hiring. For over a month, he went in every day and said, I'm here for a job. They said, we're not hiring. He got up again and said, I'll see you tomorrow. Over and over and over until finally one day he walked in. He said, I'm here for a job. And they said, we were hoping you'd be here today. We're going to have you meet with this person. He got his job. We tell you, some of you have just given up too soon. We've quit too soon. We've tried to take it upon ourselves too soon. We've walked out on the monotony too soon. Sometimes the monotony is a test of your faith to say, God, can you do this in the small things? Can you work this out in the small things? The Bible tells us about a man named Naaman. And Naaman had, had, attract, he had, uh, 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 had leprosy in his body. And the prophet goes and says to him, go wash seven times. I want you to go wash in the, in the nasty Jordan River. Why would you have me go do such a thing? You've heard the story, but Naaman was a man that, as the Hebrew would call him, an Ishkadad. He was a mighty man. He would have been a tall, striking man that could have done so many great things with his hands and his broad shoulders. But yet now he is humbled by this leprosy. He was taken down by leprosy. And here, here the prophet says, go wash seven times. And why would he say such a thing? Why would he say something so mundane and so normal? and so, so monotonous as to go wash seven times. Why can't you just speak in the clouds part and a sign from heaven come down and, and do a work in my life? Why? Why can't you just call out angels and angels come and rip leprosy out of my body? Why can't you do that? Why? Why? Can you not just speak and it be gone? The Lord rides on a swift cloud and I'm, I'm a servant. I'm trying my best to do the right things. No. The Lord, the Lord speaks of the prophet and the prophet says tell him to go wash seven times in that dirty river Jordan go wash seven times and as Naaman's leaving young, a young servant and I know you know the story but for those who don't a young servant looks at this man that would have broke him in a moment if he did not receive this the right way but he says why in the world in other words he says it this way and I summarize why do you forsake the monotonous why do you always want the great grand? Why do you always want it to be your way? Why do you always desire it to meet the image you had in your mind? Why would you always, always want it to be the way you forecasted it? What about the small things? What about the small moments? What about the things that no one else sees and no one else notices? What about those moments that might slip into your life in the mundane, in the, in the, in the, in the moments that seem boring to everybody else? And, and the prophet spoke this word and named Naaman's leaving the other way, and Naaman decides, yes, maybe I should give this a shot. He turns around the caravan, and all the, the army follows him, and he goes down to the River Jordan, and he gets in one time, nothing. But there's, there's a miracle in the monotony. There's a miracle in going again and again. He goes a second time, and nothing. Where's the miracle? I'm telling you, there's not a miracle in repetitiveness, but there's a miracle in the monotony. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, and sometimes... 
You can't put your finger on it. And sometimes you don't know why you keep on going. But you know, you know, you know. You're getting closer and closer. It's monotonous, I know. But there's a miracle in the monotony. The third time he goes down. The fourth time he goes down. The fifth time he's go, he goes down. The sixth and finally the seventh time. The Syrian, this man that was used to going in and leaning in the, in the temples that Syria built, worshiping gods that were not our gods. Now he's in a land that believes that here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one. He's in a totally different place of thinking. His mindset is way different. He knows he's in a foreign land with a foreign God. But something happens and when the monotonous takes over, he goes down the seventh time. And when he comes up, there's a shift in his life. There's something that happens. He feels a warmth over his body. He feels a shift in his situation. He feels for the first time the power of a God that can reach in and transcend. Whatever your thinking may be, whatever your beliefs may be, he got faithful in the monotony. No, he didn't have a Bible study on the Godhead. No, he didn't worship to the first song. He just got faithful in the monotonous. He got faithful in going again. He got faithful in going again. He got faithful and going again. And he got faithful and going again. And something changed. Something shifted in his life. Something shifted in his body. And then something shifted in his thinking. He comes out believing that there was God everywhere. God here, God there. But he comes out and he goes to the prophet. And he says this phrase, now I know. Now I know. What do you mean now I know? Here's what he, this is what he meant by now. After the monotonous, after of watching over it every day, and after of going over and over and over again, and after what seemed to be nothing to everybody else but me going down, after getting ridiculed by those that were near me, them saying, why would he do this? He got so desperate that he had faith in the monotonous. It's faith. In the small task. And he says, now I know. Now I know there's no other God than the God of Israel. Now I know. Now I realize something after what I've just experienced. After what just happened in my life. After what just took place in my life. Now I know there's no other God other than the God of Israel. I know somebody, I know you've... I know you've been, and I feel like I've been hitting this lately. I feel like I've been trying to encourage somebody lately. I'm telling you, don't quit short of the finish line. Don't quit short of the monotony. Don't quit short when you start feeling like it's monotonous. When you start feeling like you're doing it over and over and over again, but yet you do it with faith. There's somebody somewhere that's going to need that life belt. There's something somewhere that's going to change in your life. There's something that's going to shift in your life. It's important to keep on going. Luke 18, 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there, but we're all sure to get this on the screen, and I'm, I'm not going to be too, too terribly long. But the Bible says in Luke 18, 1 through 8, it says, Then Jesus, in verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not faint, not give up. 
That should be enough right there. I should be able to stop right there and tell you, if Jesus is teaching this to the disciples, then you ought to get it today. Don't stop praying the prayer. Don't, start, don't stop calling the name. Don't stop, don't stop speaking those things in your life. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though... She kept on coming now. I want you to get this right now. She, she came every day like Peppo Rulledge. I know you're not hiring again today, but I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see. He woke up every day knowing the widow was coming, knowing she was on her way. When he would go and brush his teeth, he knows she had already packed up. She's already got her things together, and she's making her tired way into the house, and she's going to be here. He said, even though I don't fear God or I don't care what people think, I don't care what she thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. He said this, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. He said, I see her perseverance. I see her determination. I see the power in her will. And I see her faith. And even though I don't worship her God, and even though I don't care what she thinks, I'm so sick and tired of her coming that I'm going to grant her what she's asking me. I'm telling you there's got to be a point when you stop being sick of the palsy and you get sick with it and you say my mind is made up that I'm not going to walk this way anymore but I'm going to go again and I'm going to call it again and I'm going to pray again and I'm going to speak it again and I'm going to declare it again. My mind's made up. I've told this so many times, but after an Indian, my wife and, and, and my kids, are, they're, they're not here today. They're at a wedding in St. Louis, but, but when Indy was sick, Tara went and got a, a notepad, and or a little note card, and she wrote, she wrote on that note card, she wrote a simple, a simple message, God, give Indy new lungs. And she took that thing and she plastered it where we could never miss it. It sat there right there in the kitchen everywhere we went. It sat there and every day I'd wash my hands in that kitchen sink. I'd go get a glass of water. I'd go and get ready to cook and every day it was right there. And guess what? Every time we saw it, we'd say, in Jesus' name. I'd walk by getting the kids something. I'd say, in Jesus' name. I'd walk by and I'd say, in Jesus' name. To this day when I see that same note, I say, in Jesus' name. Why? Because there's a miracle. There's a miracle. There's a miracle in the monotony. There's a miracle in going again and again and again. I know it sounds so easy to preach, but what I feel in my spirit is somebody needs to go again. Pray it again. Speak it again. Declare it again in your life. One more time, just say it again and then make your mind up. Then I'm going to go again. I'm going to believe again. I ask you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? I'm going to ask you to talk to him with me. I just want to speak to somebody who you, your faith has run thin. You've allowed the lack of miracle to stop 
what you feel like God has called you to do over and over again. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you to trust him again and go to him again. I'm going to speak simply the words, the words we find in Luke 18. Luke 18 and 1 simply said it best. It said simply, no one thing I need you to get right now. Always pray and not give up. I know it's going to seem monotonous. I know it's going to seem redundant. I know it's going to seem repetitive. I know it's going to seem like it's you've been here over and over and over again. But there's a miracle. There's a miracle, the monotony. There's something when you tend to it day in and day out. When you go and watch over and over and over again, eventually it's going to come to pass. I believe it. I believe it. There's a, there's a power to your faithfulness. It's not monotonous truly. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness to say that I know I've not seen it yet, but I'm still going to speak. It's going to be done. Noah, go get the gopher wood. Why gopher wood? Don't ask that question. Just go get the gopher wood. There's a reason why the Lord told him to get gopher wood. It wouldn't absorb the water. Go get it. And I need you to go and cut these down and plane them out. It's going to be tiring. It's going to be long hours. It's going to be monotonous. And there will not be rain until the time comes. But when you get this thing done and you get through with 120 years of monotony, there's going to be a miracle because the very thing that lowers everybody else down is going to raise you up. And you may not see it till the time comes. But when you see it, you're going to know it was worth every prayer. It was worth every trip to the altar. It was worth every Sunday morning going ahead and ironing that shirt and getting those things together. Getting those tired kids ready and staying faithful. It was worth it. It was worth every moment of every tear that you you cried when you weren't sure how you are going to make it. But yet you walked in and you heard them begin to sing. There's nothing. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And you threw your hands up and you say, yes, I agree. Things are difficult for me. But there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too hard for him. There will be a moment where you look back and say there's a miracle in the monotony. There will be a moment where you look back and say he did it when I least expected it. There will be a moment. If you faint not. If you faint not. If you faint not. I trust you all. Would you stand to your feet right now?